Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Jess really can't wait to get out of here. I cannot wait to get the out of here. You know, the cartoon with Bugs Bunny or whatever the it is, or what is it, the Roadrunner? I am the Roadrunner. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our uh, Real Housewives of New York edition for the week. I, uh, a little embarrassed, I'm going to get into my business just a little bit, it's really not that bad, but um, somebody was going to come to look at the apartment and they said, oh, we'll be here between one and two. And you know how usually, because it's not real estate, like they're coming for insurance purposes, Usually when they're like, you know, people, they're like, oh, we'll be here between, um, I don't know, like 11 and 7 and then they show up at 745. Um, but this time they're like, well, we'll be here between 1 and 2 and they came at 1230. And so, um, you know, I was minimally dressed. We'll, we'll put that out there. I it was prepared, but I still thought that I had like at least a half hour, right? So... <laughs> They're like knocking on the door. I'm like, can you give me a second? And you know, they come in and it's fine. It's like a very quick in and out. And then I look at myself. I'm like, oh, my shirt was backwards the whole time. So, well, that's my day. Hope your day was a little bit less embarrassing than mine. Let's talk about New York, shall we? <laughs> so the ladies are still in the Hamptons, and they, uh, they being Aaron and Bryn, are waking up in the same bed together. So Bryn's like, listen, I wasn't originally planning on sleeping here, but I didn't have a choice. And we see her in a flashback from the night before in size room in the crib, because she's in the kids' room, right? In, with her whole adult self in the crib, Practicing how to flirt with somebody else's daddy. I'm not really sure what the connection is, but I was entertained. I will say that. Brent is like, 
I know that she had like kind of because I guess she had a friendship with uh, Pandora, uh, Vanderpump's Lisa Vanderpump's daughter, and I guess she had like maybe they had maybe sort of asked her to go on Vanderpump Rules. What a sliding doors moment because this really this woman was really made to be on television, and I just can't imagine a twenty something Bryn who seems like she got under Lisa's wing under the, um, you know, the broken bird code that she loves so much. She put Brandy under there, you know, all, all the people that she, Sheena's, Sheena's in there. Saucy used to be under there. We, we all know, but, um, it would just be so interesting for, uh, what was that guy's name? What was that French man's name that they, Frederick? Y'all know who he was. <laughs> that they took, that they let live in their, uh, extra house in the back like what the pool house my point is like I would have loved to see that like a 20 something brand just tearing her way through the men of sir she did say that she hooked up with Peter which is you know to, to the surprise of nobody absolutely nobody As, somebody asked Peter has there been anybody that he's hooked up with that has not worked at Sir or been directly connected to it, you know, via some sort of, uh, you know, six degrees or two degrees of separation. Like, really think about that, Peter. Has that happened in the last decade? Let us know. Other than that girl who, who had a kid that we saw on the show, other than her, and I think she may have worked <laughs> in the restaurant business too. I'd love to know. Actually, I don't really care about Peter. Like, respectfully. You know, like, I don't have anything. I feel like I, I'm like, ugh, why are we always talking about Peter? And I do feel that way, but I also feel like he's very harmless, you know? You know what I mean? Anyway. Um, so, Aaron and Bryn are in bed, like I said. Aaron's like, I need a coffee. And Bryn's like, I need a plan B. <laughs> God bless her. So then Sai asks Aaron to start cook- cooking breakfast. Like, can you? And Aaron's like, oh, should I start? And she's like, mm-hmm. Zaya so says in a confessional, I wish you had done this like an hour ago. I'm starving. <laughs> and this is why we need to learn the lesson of just always have an emergency uh, bar. I pr- I'm i a Luna girl, personally. I like the peppermint. I even like the lemon, even though I'm not a lemon girl typically. Um, but they always come in the clutch because there's always going to be a time, like once a month, where you're like, damn, I really could use some protein or whatever right now and you'll never be sorry you will never regret it i'll tell you that and then a thing happened to me something that is like really rare um jenna comes down jenna lyons comes down in a trucker hat a gray hoodie some like panties that look like boxers because they have that like wide elastic waist and what appears to be hundreds of thousands of dollars of tiffany diamonds Bryn said it was like 500k. I don't think Jenna corrected her. Okay. But and then I thought to myself, she's so cool. <laughs> and at my big age, I I like I'm like rarely and this is not really like I don't even think it's a confidence thing. I just like rarely look at people and think like, oh, they're like really cool. Like in a way that like I'm like, oh, I would like I'm like into that and I would like maybe emulate that a little bit. It's rare that that happens for me, but it did. I couldn't tell you the last time it did. The Jenna Lions are up there. I feel like I've been lions pilled, and I'm happy to be here. Like I'm in the closet. 
not not sexual age. I mean, like, I'm literally in Jenna Lyons' shoe closet, and I'm having a great time. So Aaron, finally, finally we get that carton of eggs out of the refrigerator so Aaron can make her famous chakshuka. Thank God. with One with cheese, one without. So Uga then uses this uh, opportunity as a professional to introduce us the television public to her line of uba hot sauces she said she was created created them when she was like a model having to eat steamed fish steamed vegetables steamed everything and she thought i'm gonna die (laughs) so she created this to like make very basic simple food taste delicious she said she launched this in 2021 june of 2021 that same year it was part of oprah's favorite thing so she like hit that right out of the park Uh, There's more on this later. Well, we'll talk about that later. Okay, so lo and behold, Sai, after all of this talk of the shakshuka, Jenna Lyons didn't let me make the shakshuka. Jenna Lyons hates my house. I can't make the shakshuka before workout, and now I'm not going to make it afterwards. So now we've skipped how many meals on the promise and the premise of shakshuka we haven't gotten. Finally, we've gotten it, and Sai doesn't like it. (laughs) She's like, what is it? It's just like... Tomatoes and runny eggs. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, it's good. If y'all haven't had it in like a like a nice crisp piece of toast, that shit's lit. It's like a nice light-ish breakfast. Or really, you can eat it at any time. You know, as I told you guys my my date experience of how I had it for dinner and, and the man. If you, if you haven't heard it, you can go back to a couple episodes. My uh, two two maybe go back to New York episodes and you'll you'll hear it anyway. Um, so she doesn't like it. I thought it looked damn good. Uh, Aaron says nobody's ever complained about it. And then Jessel, who has complained about damn near everything else in this trip, has did say top three. <laughs> Couldn't just say this is really good. Couldn't just say I love it. You're in the top three. <laughs> So everybody starts talking about their plans for Thanksgiving. They're going out of town. They're going to the Hamptons, right? Erin starts talking about how they're going to be doing Thanksgiving at the Hamptons, but, like, her mother, her mother-in-law is going to be hosting. So then Jenna's like, oh, because you guys live so close to each other, does she ever just, like, pop in unannounced? Because I hate that. And Erin's like, yeah, sometimes. But Brenna's like, gosh, I would love that. Like, this starts a conversation about how she's never really had a real family how much she would love to have an overbearing mother-in-law, how, you know, when she breaks up with a guy, she ends up remaining friends with them because she likes their family and, and the relationship that she has with them. So Brent gives us more of her backstory, which is that she grew up in Indiana. She has a brother and her sister, but her parents weren't really much in the picture. So her mother's mother legally adopted them. So that's really who she considers her mom. So Jenna asks Bryn at the table, like, who, like, if you're going to introduce somebody, like, a partner or a potential partner to somebody in your family, who would you introduce them to? And she's like, oh, you know, like, my brother or my nieces. And then she says, like, oh, so, like, do you not have somebody? I, I don't know. My, my confusion, if you can call it that, was, like, I was uncertain if she was saying that her grandmother is no longer with us and that's why she doesn't really have that family and that's why she wouldn't be introducing her partner to them? Or does she not have a relationship with her grandmother anymore? Because, I don't know, it felt like undefined and I was unsure. So she tells the ladies that she's going to London for a week. Usually she 
kind of travels by herself, but she's probably going to go with Gideon, who we find out is her third ex-fiance. And I think he might be British. So Brynn says in a confessional that she thinks, had she gotten married all three times that she put a, they put a ring on it, that she probably would have divorced all of them. So really, she's like setting herself up for success because she never really wants to get divorced. We do see a picture of Gideon. It's not great, but like he looks perfectly good looking. The ladies seem to know him because Aaron says in a confessional, like, he just looks such a nice, cute Jewish boy. Like, I don't understand. Why don't you just get with him? He's so cute. And then even Cy tells her at the table, like, he looks at you like puppy dog eyes, like for real. So Brent says in a confessional that she doesn't speak to most of her family. So there are times where she'll maybe be feeling a little bit lonely and call an ex and be like, hey, what are you doing? But those things are really like band-aids for the loneliness from not having her family. So then Brent tells the girls that there's like a 20% chance that she'll marry Gideon. Like if you factor in inflation and like buy, sell, high, low, that sort of thing. <laughs> so at that point, with a belly full of tomato and egg, the ladies go back home. Jezel practically yeets herself out of Aaron's house. She's so ready to leave. <laughs> and it's so obvious because Aaron says, as Jezel's like on the phone by the door, like, Oh, you can't wait. wait to, you can't wait to leave. Can you? Huh? So Jenna says, you know, cause she did say this was her first girl's trip. She would go on one again, even though she was feeling kind of trepidatious. And then she says, I'd give it like a five. Or if it was like a letter grade, maybe like a C. <laughs> The side tells Aaron she had like fun, even though, you know, I didn't really eat. And Aaron's like, oh my God. <laughs> Aaron, we got to stock the fridge next time. The girls on Twitter are eating you up and down more than, more than your guests ate at your house. And then Sai asks the driver right in front of Aaron if they can stop off at provisions on the way. <laughs> so Aaron says in a confessional, it was fun. Even though, like, it wasn't particularly relaxing, and it was kind of just like going from my kids to another set of kids, but, you know, maybe my break will be in the car on the ride back. So then we see all, what all the ladies, this is the episode where we see, like, backstory on what all the ladies are up to, etc. Now, uh, shout out to Bryn and Jezel, actually, who both had magazines, drop articles, photo shoots with them. Jessel was in Marie Claire looking very gorgeous. Um, Bryn was in, was Domino Magazine. And Bryn does talk about the show and how we're not going to see her apartment because her building didn't allow it. So back to Erin. We see her at work designing an apartment and she talks about like her history in the real estate business, right? Her parents were both in it. Her dad was a real estate guy. Um, and she talks about how like her mom was selling apartments at three Lincoln center selling to like Brad and Gwyneth back in the day. And then they would like, she'd be in her office and see like, you know, early nineties Gwyneth Paltrow. And then they'd go to the opera, like, like blah, blah, blah. She's now working for Frederick Eklund, but she also has a business called Homegirl that sounds a lot like staging. That's not really what she said. She used a lot of like flower language. Like she pretty much said she's in the business of making sure wealthy people don't feel stupid by not getting a return on their uh, real estate investments. So <sighs> <laughs> I just, 
I think because I see so much gentrification happen, I'm like, just, <laughs> this just rubs me the wrong way. But, like, I'm, sure, sure. Also, like, should we get messy real quick? Because this does feel unfair. It does feel unfair to Erin. But I was trying to look as she's talking about, you know, her parents and stuff. Like, oh, you know, like, I was looking up her dad. And one of the first searches that you'll find is, um... Did I talk about this? (laughs) Whatever. It's public information. Uh, One of the first searches you will find is uh, a a lawsuit about detailing, like, the divorce of, I guess, a wife that he married in 2001, I believe. I think she was an immigrant. I can't remember from where. Maybe Israel. And she was 29. He was 49 at the time. They had a bunch of kids. But anyway, like, it really gets messy into, like, how all their divorce played out and, like, how he treated her and how she treated him. And it's, like, genuinely, like, ooh, this is, like, some mess. It goes beyond, like, it, it reads more like a blog than a lawsuit. I will say that. I didn't go through the whole thing, but it was interesting. If you just, like, have some downtime, you can look it up. <laughs> But anyway, let's get out of the mess and into the salon for my favorite part of the episode where Bryn gets her hair done with her sta- her black woman stylist in the black, seemingly black owned salon. Uh, her stylist is named Narita, right? This is the first time that I've seen a black woman on New York Housewives and not been like, oh God, what's about to happen to her? Like, I, I, ner- I didn't clinch. And I was relaxed and having a great time, frankly. So Bryn says in a confessional, there's a lot of hair here. Not down there, but on my head. So they start talking about her curl pattern and how, like, she wants to go curly in her 40s. But, you know, like, she's like, I had to get relaxers as kids. So, like, let's hip you to some game, you guys. A relaxer is... Yeah, people, like, we also call it a perm, but it's it's, like, meant to straighten your hair. It's, like, meant to, like... Make it easier to navigate, etc. People, I'm a natural girl. Some people, you know, it's a choice thing. But the thing about relaxers and like straightening, especially when you're a child, is that like it can, you know, this can happen to anybody. It can affect your curl pattern or whatever is going on with your hair naturally. So um, she starts talking, Bryn starts talking about how she had to get relaxers as kids. Like her hair, her curl patterns like all over the place now. Cause she had to get relaxers as kid, as a kid. Cause she was raised by her white grandmother who didn't know how to do her hair and how the kids would make fun of her because her hair would be so big. And she, like her grandmother sounds like she was just doing like wash and go behavior on, you know, a, an African curl pattern, which does not, does not work. Right. So, um, then Brent says, she explains her, African-American side is her father's side. They were never in the picture. So she missed out on the support and having the support and exposure of being surrounded by the black community. So she says that back in the day, she's, you know, living with her grandma. Her grandma had a, presumably a black co-worker said, um, take your kids to my hairstylist. And every week began a tradition where she would be there like three or six hours all day long as we know, like, I'm, I'm getting the stress out of <laughs> thinking about it now. To the two greatest stresses of my life, the greatest time sucks, 
having to go to church because I y'all I grew up at a church of God in Christ, which is Pentecostal, which means y'all were we were being there from eight o'clock till four o'clock. Like it was a job. And imagine as like a seven year old, uh, soon to be agnostic, being like, Oh my gosh, I can't I'm not meant for this. <laughs> I don't have a core just like yelling at shit like shaded like I, I can't do this and also getting your hair done like just ugh, having to sit under those hot ass dryers and and oh it's it's a lot it's a lot but it's also like because you're spending so much time there there's a community and there's conversations that happen and there's like you know you do get a lot of culture being in the hair salon Sabrina's talking about how, like, this was her only experience with the black community because she grew up around, like, basically all white people. And how growing up, she was almost embarrassed to admit that she was black. And how going into the salon, that was, like, the one place where she didn't have to worry about her identity. So while her grandma was probably looking at it like, uh, oh, this is just making things easier for the both of us. It actually had like this really massive impact on Bryn. And I just really love that. I love that conversation. And yeah, yeah, I do. After that, we head over to Uba's place in Columbus Circle. And I didn't catch this lady's name. I'm going to be honest with you. But Uba did say that she met up with this, or she met this lady at a celebrity like boxing game thing. But it sounds like she's a life coach. Okay? Because Uba talks to her about how like, she needs to learn how to receive. Why can't I do that naturally? And it has to do with her business because she's now in the third production of these hot sauces and she could ask investors and make things like easier for her financially, but also she doesn't want to have to answer to people and, you know, things of that nature. So Uba also talks about how culturally... Asking for, like, investors is not something that she's used to. In her culture, there's a lot of communities. So maybe you would, if you were in this situation, ask, like, an uncle who is connected or something like that, right? So then Uba starts to get emotional. It's like, I just feel really alone. Like, I don't have that. And her friend's like, but you have so many friends. Like, why do you still feel alone? And Uba says, but I don't have my mom. And she's like, you know, every time I had a problem... I would call her. If I was stuck, I would call her. So Uba says in a confessional, like, her mom was the boss. She was a breadwinner of her family. Taught her anything is possible. But her mom passed in December of 2012. And then she says, you know, I want to tell everybody, if you have a mother, if you have a good mother, make sure you're on very good terms with them. And I really felt her on that, like... One of the things that gave me such a great amount of peace uh, after my dad died is the fact that, like, quite literally the last things we said were, I love you, and I have it in emails and, and things like that. Like, I remember in those, like, first few weeks feeling, like, obviously, like, depressed and, and profound sadness, but also being, like, feeling like I could take a, a sigh of relief at the fact that, like, 
we were on good terms. Like, we were on the best possible terms that we could have. And, like, literally, you never know, you know? Like, you don't want to also put the pressure on yourself if you're like, I'm annoyed with my mom one day and, like, God forbid she passes. And, like, you you don't want to feel the guilt of that for the rest of your life. Like, we just never know. But, like, you know, if you can make good on your relationships, do that. Especially with your mother. I'm totally with her. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So her friend was like, okay, what do you think your mom would say? If you came to her in this, with this situation, what do you think she would say? She said, oh, she would tell her to take the money and run. And so her friend's like, listen, your mom's not here, but I am. And I'm a dedicated member of Uvaville. And I thought, you know what? Put that on a bumper sticker. I, I might be too. Now, I will say that I kicked it on over to Amazon, and you can only buy, she's got three flavors, you can only buy it in a three-pack, and they're like $59, which is a little price, a little high on the price, girl. A little high. I would say, if you could get it down to like, oof. If we could even get it, well, first of all, to be able to sell it individually, I think would be great. But also, like, if you could get it down to, like, $14.99 and then sell, like, a, and then sell the three-pack for, like, 40 maybe, I think that would be good. And, like, make no mistake, that's still really fucking expensive, but, like, you know, you know, <laughs> I think it might be better. You know, that's, like, Whole Foods, Erewhon level. I, I think that's fine. Back at Sai's place, she and her husband, what's his name, David, I think, um, they're making pieces for the kids, and she's telling him how she felt bad about Bryn not having anybody for the holidays, and how, like, she, Bryn, reminds her a lot about, of, of herself before she got married, so she's like, oh, David, why don't we have a Friendsgiving at our place? Like, don't you think that would be a great idea? Are you down? And he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. She's like, great. I mean, you can't come, but, like, thank you. <laughs> So she FaceTimes Bryn, like, this is just a setup for the event, right? Bryn's like, great, thank you so much. I need a way to mask how I feel. And Sai goes, we can all mask our feelings with alcohol. Bryn says, great. Then she says in a confessional, Sai's really a sweetie. Like, even though I'm always trying to hug her and she hates it, this is proof that she's actually a good person. So Bryn and Sai start talking about Jessel and how something was, like, very off with her in the Hamptons. And Sai says, I learned a lot about Jessel. I learned that her vagina's on a drought, and maybe that's what's wrong. So she has to enlist David 
to like come over and share your opinion on the situation and thank god for david for having much more sensitivity and giving a much more nuanced opinion on the situation than his wife <laughs> but he says as a man i have no idea what it's like to have a child let alone two at the same time so i think you guys should take it easy on her because you only have so much energy to give so Sai looks at him and just goes, but aren't you horny? <laughs> and he goes, I mean, maybe not. Like, maybe she's just exhausted with the, ki- with the kids, right? So Bryn says, David, I've hung out with these kids a few times. And it was just like, I'm, 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 like downing the birth control afterwards. <laughs> so David's like, okay, maybe they just need like 24, 40 hour, 48 hours away from the house. No kids. And Sai seemingly puts it out there that she might be helping plan this in the future. So speaking of Jessel, we go over to her apartment where the kids are running around. I'm like, let me get my birth control. And she says, I just like, can't wait for them to go to preschool because she and Poppet both work from home. And so it's like, one's hanging off of one leg. The other one's hanging off of Poppet's leg. Like they just can't do anything. They're having to do a uh, baby beluga or whatever the fuck every five minutes. Like it's just not conducive to uh, seemingly anything. Not their careers, not their sex life, not their marriage. I don't know. <laughs> so they sit down to talk about how like, the, about the schools that they're looking at, right? And Jezel's like, oh, you know, I really want to do early decision at this point. Montessori school and then she says you can tell the caliber of people going there and they had a charcuterie board and wine and then Pavit says sure that's a nice introduction but that's for the parents and so Jezel says in the confessional it's just the beginning of their educational foray into the world and you know it's not just about that it's about who they're networking with who they're friends with their parents it sets the tone for everything but Pavit will always push for the cheapest option he wants to send them to public school <sighs> this is where i had to throw my head back and just be like oh my god Chazel, like i want to like you you are making it so fucking hard like you are not going to beat the snob allegations i fear i don't think it's gonna happen girl <laughs> like ew I listen I don't have a kid but I hear these conversations especially in New York about like getting your kid into the quote-unquote right school and I hear many people act like if their child goes to public school like they're basically sending them to fucking Rikers or whatever and like they're not going to get an education and they're just like no pencils no books like it, it makes no sense because New York also has from what I led to believe, some of the best public schools in the whole country. And while Jessel is technically right, in these like insular world of like private schools and you know the gossip girl of it all, it does like it is kind of a networking thing. It is like unfortunately that is the truth, but it's also like a gross truth that we should try to not act like this is like a, a great thing because what if what if our two and a half year old kids meet um whoever the fuck like one of one of alan baldwin's litter you know like what a great time that would be you know i don't know it just it's just a little ick for me it just seemed like their education was secondary to her ability to be like more upwardly mobile 
that's what it was giving to me. So then Papa's just like, listen, we're going to be paying so much money for them to just like eat lunch and take a two hour nap. And Jessel goes, yeah, but they're going to be doing that anywhere they go to school, which is more to Pavit's point than yours. Right. But okay. So Pavit's like, I just want to explore other options. And she laughs and like calls him cheap. And I just need, I feel like so many of Jessel's motivations and like the way she navigates the world is like through elitism almost and the fact that she just like doesn't see how that can come off as like a little bit gross or like a little like nose turned up is odd to me because like you're in a group of wealthy women and they're all very turned off by your behavior and that's concerning so then Jezel asks Pavit if they want to rent in the Hamptons for the summer. And he's like, what? Are you just like trying to create, recreate your weekend with the girls? And she's like, no, I don't want to recreate any of that trip. I was a sacrificial lamb. No, you were an asshole, lady. <laughs> then she says, it started with me saying it, it was cold, but everybody said it. Everybody said that it was cold. So Papa tells Jessel, Sometimes your tone of voice has a tendency to turn people the wrong way. And, like, maybe you came off the wrong way like you always kind of do sometimes. <laughs> like you always kind of do sometimes. So Jezel says, what do you mean? Like, I always kind of do what? Like, you're supposed to support me. And Papa goes, yeah, but... How can I support you when your tone of voice is sometimes is not like the the most, um, what's the right word? Because <laughs> we can see in his mind's eye, in the back of his mind, the word is in big letters and it starts with a B. <laughs> Jezel even knows it too. So she goes, what are you, you're calling me a bitch. And he goes, no, I would never say that. I, I would never say that. I said, but you have potential tendencies in your tone. <laughs> and he goes, and, and uh, Jessel goes, you just called me a bitch. <laughs> Low key. On the lowest of keys. I kind of ate that. And I initially, and I still kind of feel this way. Like, how could a man look at his wife in the face and be like, I want to go to Vietnam to, like, get some space, but I might be a little on Poppin's side at this point. <laughs> anyway, so Erin's at her apartment. She is trying to scrape off, like, those sticky little hand things that you throw up on the ceiling. Uh, horrified, just got the broom on the ceiling, tried to fix it, uh, because Jenna Lyons is on her way. And... Aaron says something about, like, I just want the house to be perfect because, you know, I went to Jenna's place and she's kind of, like, judgy. Okay, girl. Wouldn't you just want your house to look nice because this is, like, literally your job? But anyway, um, the first thing that Aaron does is go to the cabinet to hand her a mug shaped like a titty. She says that her mom got it in the 80s and now it's hers. But Jenna's like, no, I don't think this is a coffee mug. It looks like... For, it's for creamer. Like, the hole's right where the areola, where, where the nip is. So they try it out, and Aaron's like, oh my god. <laughs> so Jenna says in the confessional, which is what I was thinking, 
I'm trying to figure out if she's ever actually used this because, like, I don't understand how she would have drank out of this had she actually used it before. But clearly she doesn't have that much experience with boobs. So Jenna comes over with a gift. We don't see what it is because Aaron says she wants to open it later. But she says it's from her and Jessel. And we see a flashback of them shopping. Jessel looks at maybe a sweater, like a knitted sweater or something. And she's like, oh, I want to get this for Aaron, but it's a little out of my price range. The price being $955 for a damp sweater. So back to Jessel and Pavit. Jessel tells Pavit that she apologized profusely to Jenna at that store. And also told her, like, if you have an issue with me, like, just come to me directly. And, like, how I wish that we had had that conversation from the beginning. Because once... Aaron found out Aaron involved everybody in it and like it wasn't cool right which like is that a fair thing to say when you came down the stairs and repeatedly told everybody how ugly you thought it was and how you would never wear this and how you look like a Christmas tree like everybody was involved because you were yelling about it like okay maybe uh, Jenna didn't tell you directly that she was upset but like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then Jessel says, I just don't want everybody to get involved. They're like crazy cackling hags. So Aaron asked Jenna, um, did any, like, did you guys talk about me? Was anything said about me? <clears throat> and Jenna's like, well, she, she said something about how she felt like, like the cackling hags were ganging up on me or something. But then she's like, I don't know where she got cackling from. That's weird. Cut to Jenna at the topping rows with Jessel, just them at the table while the ladies were stealing coconut cream and peeing or whatever. And Jenna says, oh, I can hear them cackling from here. So Aaron said, I mean, but I would like to say, like, I don't think that's like that. It's not a smoking gun, really. Like, it is because she got the word from her. But I don't, like, Jenna wasn't trying to be like, oh, whatever. Like, she literally could hear them, like, obnoxiously laughing from the bathroom. So Aaron says, well, it's not like we were yelling at her. We just said she wasn't being nice. And Jenna's like, well, you know how you, you know how it is. Like, you have kids. Like, this is about having empathy for somebody who's struggling. Because sometimes it's harder for me to admit things like if I did something wrong and I'm ashamed of it. So Aaron says, you know, I can have empathy for that. But, like, she's just so different from me. Like, don't you feel like people cater to her? Like, Jessel a lot? And Jenna's like, well, maybe. But she says in a confessional. Honestly, this might be, like, the worst thing that I would ever want people to say about me on television. <laughs> Which is that Jenna says, I like Jessel, and I think she means well, but I think she's saying things without thinking, and she doesn't quite realize how they come off. I don't think she has a mean bone in her body. I think she's trying too hard. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. The idea of like somebody saying that I try too hard like really makes me want to just like turtle up. Just be like, oh no, what did I do? That was so embarrassing. Like that is the idea of that is so embarrassing to me. To to have somebody be like, I think she's harmless, she just like a try hard. Oh no, I would die. Like, is this fucked up now that I'm thinking about it? Like, would I, would you rather have somebody just not like you or like you or think that you're a nice person, but that you're a tryhard? Because, like, I just wouldn't want, the idea of, like, somebody feeling, like, sad for me in that way, oh, it just really makes me, oh, I could, I couldn't do it. And then Jenna tells Aaron, you know, I just think there's stuff going on between uh, Jessel and her husband and they're, like, not talking about it. And that says a lot. And Aaron goes, yeah, I think she just needs to get fucked. And then starts laughing. So then we cut back to Pavit and Jessel. And Jessel's like, you know, something also came up. And it was our sex life. And he goes, oh, yeah, the marriage and kids tax. She's like, well, what is that? And he's like, oh, you know, like, there's just, like no free time for us to do literally anything except for eat and sleep. And she kind of laughs, but like not in a happy way. You know, not like, yeah, yeah. Like, it was sad. So Jessel says in a confessional, I mean, hello, why aren't you concerned? Papa does not give two shits about what people think, but I'm a little bit more sensitive, and I think we've been in this whirlwind of baby land, and I realize that now is the time to start prioritizing this and to get back in the bedroom. Whew. The layers to this particular conversation were, like, so oniony <laughs> to me I like his passiveness first of all first of all I think as women we've all started a conversation where we're feeling insecure with a guy about something right and then we present this topic as like oh other people were mentioning this thing about us isn't that crazy it's like a you know a, a way to begin this conversation And then she frames it like, first, like, hello, aren't you concerned? But then she's like, well, I'm a little bit more sensitive. And, you know, she frames it like, oh, why doesn't he care about what other people think? And maybe that it goes part to, like, why she acts the way she does. But there's clearly more to this situation. Like, his passivity towards this maybe it's because he's on tv or whatever but he she was right like he really didn't give seem to give two shits not what about other people think but like what you think but she's also not presenting this in a way super like this is a concern of mine like she does say you know I want to do a staycation so that we can remove the tax of marriage. Like, oh, we need to get you laid. And he just kind of laughs. I don't know. I would just, like, personally, 
if I'm having any conversation about the lack of intimacy with my partner and he's just like, meh, I would find that very hurtful. Like, sex is a very important thing to me personally in a relationship. But also, even if it wasn't, like, even if the frequency of sex wasn't that important, I still don't want you to just be like, whatever, about, like, not having sex at any point in the future. Like, I would feel some type of way about that. On another petty note, and I'm only saying this because I saw the Marie Claire uh, a photo shoot where she looked, like, very lovely. I need Jessel to, because girls, I don't know if we all know this, but I was told that we've moved away in terms of our blush application from just doing it on the apple to like you start by the temple near your eye and then go down like towards like the nose. So it gives the illusion that like your face looks a little bit more lifted. Whereas in the scene, I just kept getting distracted by Jessel just like, it was almost giving, like, early seasons Leanne Locken, which is mean. It's unfair to just... I'm going to take that back. Because early seasons Leanne Locken was basically, like, uh, the bitch from Big Comfy Couch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Lunette? Was that her name? Um, or Molly? Whatever. But anyway, like, it was just a little aggressive. And I think we could maybe elevate... Honestly, I have a lot of opinions about Jessel and her uh, fashion choices, but we'll get into that in a second. So... Now we're back to Brooklyn. Sai has hired a very cute chef for Brinsgiving. And she says in a confessional, I would never let people starve at my house. <clears throat> Bryn. <laughs> Aaron. Excuse me. <laughs> Aaron. So Aaron, Bryn then sees the chef. He's like such a cutie. She's on flirt mode immediately. And he's like telling them, oh, you know, about the food. And, uh, you know, like, I hope you guys like it. And, Brit is like leaned up against this wall, just like vamping, giving Jessica Rabbit, just giving like Marley to Dietrich, like everything, everything. She's like, oh, I'm sure we're going to love it. We're going to love your food. And then Sai goes, he's married. She goes, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> and then she goes over to the bartender and asks if he's married. And he goes, actually, I am. Yeah, yeah. So she's like, oh, never mind. Brit cracks me up because. As she's greeting everybody into Sai's house, she's greeting them from the back. And but I, what I mean by this, I mean she's like literally exposing her backless dress to them and being like, "Hi," and like turning her head and be like, "Welcome, welcome to Brent's Kidding. Have you seen my back? Thank, hello, thank you." <laughs> she is truly hilarious. Sai is wearing this like off the shoulder, not off the shoulder dress, like a. You know, it's a titty dress. It's a titty dress, okay? And she, when Jenna shows up, she goes, I wore this so you can check out my boobs. And I just love how everybody, we, we've, we've elevated, right? Because we had Barbara Kay in the first iteration of Roni, right? And Barbara Kay's bisexuality really set Ramona into a tailspin. Truly, madly, deeply. But now we have these women who are just like, Jenna, you're a lesbian? Let me show you my titties. Everybody, present your breasts both in ceramic and natural form to Jenna Lyons, noted lesbian. <laughs> Why they insist on this, I'm not sure, but Jenna seems to be going with it. Um, so everybody makes a comment. Everybody as they walk in are like, oh, I brought slippers. Oh, I'm going to take my shoes off. Blah, blah, blah. Except for Aaron, 
who gets there and they're like, Asai's like, why are you still wearing your shoes? And Aaron goes, did I have to take them out? And she goes, yeah, I did a PSA about that. So we see the group text that Sai sent everybody. It says, PSA, have your sock game on point or have a pedicure. We are a no-shoe household. I hope your outfit didn't revolve around your shoes. Can't wait to hang out tomorrow, girls. There will be a shitload of food. Come hungry. And in parentheses, no cheese. <laughs> so Aaron says they're confessional. I would never make anybody take their shoes off. It's part of the look, especially coming from the look girl herself. Yeah, girl. Read your text message where she says, I hope you didn't play your outfit around your shoes. That is the look girl trying to look out for you. Oops. <laughs> But lucky for Aaron, um, Jessel shows up in Dolce and Cabana. Now, so now we've had the morally corrupt Alexander Wang, and now Dolce and Cabana. Rin gives her a hug and it's like, oh my god, we have like the same updo, like a Bridget Bardot kind of thing. And Jessel goes, oh, I'm doing like a Dolce and Cabana Kim K sort of look. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you in fashion, like? I, I understand that she's like that Kim is the Dolce & Gabbana girl I, I know that like trust me I've been chronicling uh, Courtney stealing her vibes for the greater part of last season but for her to be working in fashion and to be proudly wearing now these are now two labels of people that people don't fuck with in the industry like people don't fuck with Alexander Wang cause he's got so many allegations of him abusing people, trans people specifically, um, being like very weird toward them. And, um, uh, you know, I, I've already talked about Dolce Gabbana so many times. I, I can't with them. I can't. What does Jessel do? <laughs> she looked beautiful at that Marie Claire spread. She really did. She, so we're, we're going to move on. So, well, you know, I'm going to have to give it back to Jessel again. Uh-oh. Because she stepped in it once again. So she walks in. She talks to Bryn. And then she turns to Aaron and says, How was the memorial? I just didn't even realize that your grandma... So Aaron... And by the way, Bryn hears this and starts to make the face like, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so... Erin says in a confessional that she just had a really emotional day because her grandmother passed. They had a memorial for her earlier and she was like the matriarch of the family. She passed at 94, long life. However, she was put into a hospice and 24 hours later passed away all alone. Like, so it's, you know, it's like a very sad situation, right? So Jessel goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. So... Um, that's really unfortunate. But I hope today went well, though. And then immediately turns around to give Sai this gift that she gave her. So Aaron's just sitting there like, uh, I guess it went as well as it could go. <laughs> but in a confessional, Aaron says, I think there's like a missing chip with her. Like, yeah, I had so much fun. Thanks for asking. It was a great success. A dandy old time at my grandmother's funeral. <laughs> And when she said there's a missing chip, that really made me think, do you guys remember when 
Jen and Brad, Jennifer Aniston, noted, noted Aaron lookalike Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt were getting divorced. She did an article or an interview where she said that Brad, she's like, I think there's a sensitivity chip that's missing. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting that the only other person who looks like Jennifer Aniston would say the exact same thing. <laughs> While Jessel and Cy go upstairs to use the bathroom, Aaron turns to Jenna and is like, did you tell them what Jessel said about them. And it was like, why am I always the last person to know? So Jenna tries to uh, Homer Simpson her way out of this conversation because she doesn't want to do it. But Aaron takes the lead and she tells Brynn and Uba, oh, we were called cackling hags. And it was like, what, what? Cockle and hog, what is that? So they're trying to explain to her like what cackling is. And she's like, no, 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 I get it. And then she does like a, a, a like a, a movement in the where her balls would be should she have them. And they're like, no, 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 this has nothing to do with balls. <laughs> like it's like it's like a derogatory term. Like she was laughing loudly like a witch. So in a confessional, Uba looks up the definition and she's like, yeah, loud laughing like a witch. Oh, they did say witch, didn't they? <laughs> so Jenna comes back. And is like, look, I think we're all kind of cackling hags, you know? Like, I just don't really think she meant it like she sound, like it sounds. Like, I really don't. And Aaron's looking at her like, girl, please. So, Brynn says, listen, if you're going to say something, say it and mean it, right? And Aaron's like, yeah. And also say it to me. So, Jenna says in a confessional, obviously I shared that information, but I had no desire to stir the pot. So, the producer goes... So then why did you say it? And Jenna goes, <laughs> listen, I, I have no idea. It's called like old lady brain. <laughs> so finally, at the end of the episode, everybody sits down for the Bryn's giving dinner. And Sai is like, you know, I really wanted to do this for you, Bryn. You know, it explained, like I explained why at Aaron's house, like we know you're going through stuff. So Aaron asked her how she's doing. But Bryn's like, I don't want to talk about it. And, like, starts to get in emotional. And in a confessional, she's telling the producer, because they're, like, trying to talk to her about it. She's like, we can't talk about this right now. Absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. So, like, maybe later. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do it, right? So, Bryn gets emotional at the table, like I said. And she's like, listen, it's not that I don't have family. It's just that most of them are assholes. And how, like, you know, especially in the U.S., these holidays are about family and coming together. So, Sai is like... Share, share, share with the table of like your story, right? So she says, you know, my mom had me and my brother and my sister. She was a teenager and my father was older. And basically the only time me and my brother and sister lived together were the first six months of my life. And we lived in Section 8 housing. We were like poor as fuck, welfare, food stamps, everything, right? And my parents got into trouble. And she says, it was more my dad that was doing that stuff. And, like, the bad stuff is just super fucked up. So a producer asks Bryn, why don't you want to talk about it? And she's like, I don't know. Like, I just want to talk about how hurt it made me. And she's like, but I'm also, like, really focused on the fact that the two people who were supposed to love me didn't. But then she corrects herself. She's like, they couldn't. They, not that they didn't. They just couldn't. 
So then she tells the ladies that there was abuse and neglect and that she wasn't picked up for six months or six days, excuse me, and her diaper wouldn't be changed. And like everybody's getting emotional and she's getting emotional. And we end the episode on a to be continued. And it just like, I just really felt for, for Bryn for being so vulnerable about this. And um, yeah, I just... I, I really, really felt for her. And I think we got a good season, you guys. It seems like next week the ladies are going to be turning on Jenna over a proposed or a supposed Christmas-related slight. So I'm excited about that. We'll get into it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for